Welcome to Something Came From Baltimore. My name is Tom Gowker, and I will be your host tonight. Something Came From Baltimore is a jazz, blues, and R&B podcast and radio show, and it's not really about Baltimore. Today on the show, we have funk royalty in the house. Via Zoom, I have the drummer from the legendary Headhunters, Mike Clark. The Headhunters are back after 11 years' absence with a new Rope-A-Dope record release called Speakers in the House, which has a release date of November 4th, 2022. We are going to sample tracks from the new recording and dip into Mike Clark's career, chatting about Brand X, Nat Adderley, Mike Wolf, and uh, we're going to sample tracks from Mike Clark's current release called Blues on Top. It's a jam-packed episode. Before we get into the show, we have some action items to work on. Something Came From Baltimore is available on over 18 different platforms. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc. Subscribe and play the volume up and down so we get that credit. And then flip the show to five friends who like music just as much as you do. You can be your own pyramid scheme. The Beatles Come to America is coming back. We're getting back together with co-host the Beatle Guru, Brooke Halpin. If you haven't been a part of that it's time to subscribe and get involved in the Beatle world. Patreon is out. We say no, but Cash App and Venmos is a yes. Tips are welcome. And uh, we thank you for your support in advance. We have like-minded friends of the podcast. Check out their promos in the show. And those links are also in the show notes. Done. We're done now. A track from Speakers in the House. It's called Stopwatch. Welcome to Something Came From Baltimore. Thank you so much. You just had your 76th birthday. And so my demo is 45 to 60. You're very on top of your game. So other than eating oatmeal, is there any other uh, secrets that you want to give our listeners that they, they might want to follow? Sure. I, I chant Nam Myoho Hon Ren Geikyo. I mean, you did ask me. I'm a Buddhist. I've been chanting since 1973. And I feel like, uh, quite frankly, when I'm done... Uh, chanting in the morning and before I play, I feel like I'm 18 years. It's like the fountain of youth. What it does is it ra- they call it raising your life condition. So you chant and no matter where you are with, with the vibe and your person and your inner world, it lifts it way up. There's no doubt about that. So that's what keeps me in the game. And it also, I'm able to uh, get connect with the synchronicity of the universe. And that's why I'm still working. I'm playing all the time. Like, like I did when I was in my twenties, I'm, I don't know how it's, it's going on, but it's, but it's going on. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, uh, I heard when you're a Buddhist, you can chant for material wealth. So I, I chanted for this girlfriend. I saw her and I said, I, I want her. Ended up getting, getting her. It was the worst experience of my whole life. And that's where I said, Oh, wait, you don't want to ask for things because you may get them. <laughs> and, well, you know what it does actually at the end of the, yes, I've had the very same experience more than once. It took me more than once to learn. 
but you repeat like if you're repeating uh, karma from the past, it's kind of hard to not do it. But uh, when you chant for something, even if it's a material thing, the reason you're getting a gig or a girlfriend or this or that is because you're doing something we call the human revolution. Something is changing inside that merits this benefit. Now, then, of course, wisdom would tell us whether this is good for our lives or not. And that kind of comes with age because I had the same experience and I repeated it two or three times until I went, oh, you know. <laughs> you have long relationship with Michael Wolf. He's one of my favorite interviews. I interviewed him for the Bounce album. How did he get you to do the play Sergeant Pepper recording? Uh, Leon uh, Lee Dorsey, the great bassist, Michael Wolf, my dear friend and, you know, genius piano player in my estimation. And I played with a few, decided to do it. We all came to the, we talked about, let's do a record. Okay, what are we going to do? I think it might have been me. I'm not a Beatles fan. And I get in trouble for saying that. I do like some of the writing, of course. I like B.B. King. And if I'm not going to do that, then I like, you know, Miles and Crane and, uh, or real funky music. But, um, I think I might have said, let's do some Beatles tune and swing. And everybody went, hell yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it might have been me, and then that could be BS. Uh, it, normally, that would come from Michael, who is a great Beatles fan. But I think I introduced it, and everybody went, yeah, let's do this. Uh, uh, down yeah. to the album cover, it's it's brilliant. Let's listen to a sample of the Mike Wolf, Mike Clark, and Leon Lee Dorsey recording from 2020 called Plays Sergeant Pepper. obviously talk about the headhunters but you have an album out and it is with leon lee dorsey uh i was spinning that while i was doing the headhunters and you have a we're ah. talking about the beatles there's an amazing can't buy me love there's an amazing ah. oliver nelson stolen moments and then there's a crazy willow we for me that i've never heard before that's amazing so yeah i love playing with michael ladon i mean this guy can straight up swing i don't care which style you throw at him he's he's very brilliant as mr hancock was i mean he can translate anything into music immediately and and he's energized and can and he can also play really funky if he wants to really funky. i mean the dude's got soul man you know the album's called blues on tap it came out in august 12th 2022 we're going to play a cut just from that album before we get into the interview. And you guys can hear what we're talking about. It's Willow Weep for Me. It's a classic. It's one of my favorites of all time. You guys, like, burn this thing. It's a, it's a whole different song. So it's great. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoy it. We enjoyed doing it. It was fun to do.
album before uh, Evolution Revolution. You started out Name Arenge Kio, but you you start out with the album with that. In this album, the very first song with Congo Square, there's a chant. Is this kind of like a a, a religious kind of or spiritual send off to the album? I would say so. Yeah, it's 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 not that intentional. Uh, it, I mean, it is intentional, but we're not really. Like Bill, you know, is also a priest, and he also is a Buddhist. And, uh, you know, we all are more than just tolerant of other religions. We take it seriously when people tell us what they're into. And so it's kind of like everybody's welcome. And um, I, I think, you know, so this was some African stuff. Uh, this time it wasn't Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. And so a lot of different things show up. We'll be in the studio, and somebody will actually be, Hey, I'm not feeling great. I'm going to pray a little bit, or I'm going to chant a little bit, or I'm going to met. And sooner, somehow, sometimes it ends up on the record. <laughs> it, but we are serious about healing ourselves and the planet, like most of us are. But we have a sense of humor about it. You know, it's fun. It's always fun, especially with the great Donald Harrison, the big chief, who's also the, I don't usually use words like spiritual, but I don't know. That, that's certainly one way to describe this man. I would say a genius. Like, I, I mean, I've said that word a couple of times, but Donald, Herbie Hancock, Michael, very, you know, I mean, in my world, you know, Donald is brilliant. I watched him when we were in Russia. We rode the train together for, you know, quite a long time, a couple of weeks or a month or something. I watched him put together a symphony that was performed and he wrote it on his computer with no keyboard, no, no nothing came from his mind. That's all of the passing parts, all of the harmonies. And it was amazing, you know, and we're also having a few hits of vodka (laughs) with pepper in it. I'm starting to wear the, the word for musicians who as shaman, you know, they're shamans where they're, they're healing people, you know, Consciously or subconsciously with with music? Yes, I think that um, uh, for the time that we're together, when you're playing music, for the time that we are in each other's company, meeting the audience and the musicians, I think we can take the daily stress away from people for that. Like Art Blakey, what did he say? You can wash away the dirt. You can't, I don't think we can heal anybody, but maybe we can give them hope and give our, by, by giving ourselves hope in front of everybody and uh, uh you know j- common sense things encouragement hope things to make us feel good having fun enjoying each other's company uh, diversity all the beauty beautiful things you know now may- maybe that could translate when one goes back to their private life into something uh but for on the moment to moment i think uh i know when i go to hear a band that's cooking it makes me feel good yeah yeah. I still have the same problems, some of the same problems when I leave, but I feel lifted. It's If you feel great when you leave, that's awesome. But if you feel great a couple of days later, then you've been moved. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> now, let's listen to a sample of HH75 from Speakers in the House.
those cats are a rope it over great. I love those guys. And, and, uh, you know, I trust them with how this is going. And so far, so good. Yeah. You know? They, they get you. I mean, you, you were created for this label, <laughs> the, the headhunters. I think so. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Like this album's a dime. That's an amazing album. I've, I've been listening to it for the last couple of weeks. And when you hold on to that for roughly now almost four years, what does it feel like when you know you got an album that's hot, has buzz, people who you played it for love it, and you're sitting back on it? Is it because of the COVID thing where you guys weren't really ready to launch it? Or you you have your 50th anniversary coming up? Is that to release an album oh, and kind no, of go out? I, I, I think what happened is we, uh, Greg Lucas and Craig, and Craig uh, Devil Hill Management, and then we started talking, and they started talking to us, and we were kicking around, and and uh, we saw what we had in the can. We knew this had been sitting in the can, but Bill was also a solo artist, as Donald and I am, so we all have been busy as, you know what, we have been busy, bro, so all of a sudden, it's headhunter time again, and I'm overjoyed. I had such a blast playing with these cats last night, and you know, I've been traveling with these guys since I was in my twenties, and it's uh, for me. It has revolutionized. I'm I'm not the same. I'll never be the same again because of this experience. I have learned so much about America and our world, and about being a good person and being a man and being an adult, and standing up for myself and standing up for others. And and music, you know, uh, Donald is a historian, like and studies constantly. So you can't just bring up any jive to him if you're going to talk about music right you gotta know what you're talking about because he knows so we have these intense beautiful conversations which i are joyful and uh because i'm learning all the time i still feel like a guy that's you know learning like i did when i was 18 i'm the same guy it's not like i got it down i don't at all i don't know what's going to happen until i sit behind the drums i don't care what anybody says you people are like oh man you just sit down and play and i can play any cymbal and any drum no not me i can't I, I got to live that moment, man. And then I, and then let's see how it unfolds. So, okay. Th- my biggest dilemma and why I was hit, hit, hitting your, you know, all your interviews is because I love all your previous albums. And I was trying to figure out like your music is elevated in this like funk genre. And I'm like, what would break up the band? Is there a Yoko Ono vibe? Is there something going on that you're not having a lot of music frequent? I listened to uh, an interview by Scott Goldfine. It was called Funk and Stuff. You were very honest and said, hey, I'm just a, I'm more of a jazz drummer, not a funk drummer. And so I'm curious if this album hits that blend where you feel like you're able to express yourself and be funky at the same time. I do. I actually do. And especially with this group of people that are here with us, you know, Kyle Roussel, you know, uh, Chris Severn and Donald Harrison, Bill and myself, I feel like I can, either play time or if I want to interject and bring that according to what everybody else is doing, it's a conversational band. And sometimes the conversation is about getting down and that's the end of it. And then other times for no reason whatsoever, it goes completely crazy. Like within the first, like four bars, you're like, wow, how did this get? So I love it, man. You know, I don't feel hindered. Like I played in rhythm and blues bands to make money. And I felt like I, I, I love the, the sensation of getting down, playing a blues shuffle or getting real funky. But after a minute, I get bored because I, I've been a bebop drummer since I'm seven years old. So I'm a jazz drummer that plays funk, not a funk drummer that plays jazz.
I was looking at your career too. Uh, I had every Brand X album. Yeah, you were on 1979 recording. Just amazing. People forget how great Brand X was. That really wasn't my question, but it was just a thought that came in my head. <laughs> I loved Brand X and I loved playing with them. Very creative, beautiful people. And it was a blast. And the music is just like what it, what, what you heard is just how it felt to us. It was remarkable. I loved it. I loved all of it. Yeah. Uh, definitely ahead of its time. And I'd say it was about 20 years too early. Percy Jones is brilliant, as was John Goodstall. John Goodstall, man, could bring it like Hendrix style, man. I don't mean he played like Jimmy, but he had that thing like Coltrane. He would bring out the whole earth. <laughs> yeah. I don't know whether you can see it. I'll give you a close-up, but I have a lot of moles on my face, but not as many as I used to since I've aged. And Paul Jackson, my beloved, dearest, dearest brother and friend, used to tease me about having moles all the time when we were young. Paul would, you know, kind of guy that would whatever he he gets you where whenever he got in the mood, he'd he'd cap break on you. We used to call it capping on cats, right? He'd be like, oh. And one day he said, What do they do? Make you in a mole house? And that stuck with me. And then Bill was like, Well, we're gonna name this tune. And I and, and I was let's call it rocking at the mole house, because Paul used to say that uh, stuff like that to me all the time. He said, Man, Mike, you rocking in a mole house, you moly MF. <laughs> <laughs> Now let's listen to a sample of Rocking the Mole House from the album Speakers in the House. are so elevated i would think that what you're doing right now is almost like a good guide for these funk bands to see where where you're at i guess what, what my question is i think you answered this question so i was going to say like you're basically re- putting out albums to let people know where they can go like you're you're a guide or you're a teacher almost like i feel that this headhunter album has the ability to open doors to people who are not thinking they're just thinking oh i'm just a funk drummer i'm a funk guitarist no you can be funky and jazzy and and have world beat you can have a lot of percussion i mean there's a lot of opportunity i think that this album is a guide for that you know what there's not bro there's not much i can add to what you said because that's how i see it Uh, that was a a great analogy and all i can do is say amen to that because that's kind of what it feels like the way things are now in the band yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Well, boy, did I struggle with that one, but that's what, <laughs> but I'm glad you got it. I'm glad yeah. you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Just let you know that on Wikipedia, your name goes right into the guitar player of suicidal tendencies. There's, <laughs> there's a combination. You put in your name, there's your face. It'll say that you played for suicidal tendencies and then you click on your Wikipedia and it goes to his thing. So I don't know who fixes that, but congratulations for being in Suicidal Tendencies. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, like. All right. I got one more off the wall question. I'll let you go. Not one person in the world that I know has ever said, like, I've never heard anyone talk about Nat Adam, like, I know I've interviewed people who uh, talk about Cannonball, how they work with them, but for some reason, he is such a performer 
that he's put out a, a wealth of material, and I don't really hear anyone say any kind of like experiences that they have with them. Do, could you remember like when you worked with them and that, what that was like? Yeah, what, what I got from that was he, and I know he said this on uh, Country Preacher, but he said it. And when you're on the stage with him and you hear him say it, it reverberates down in your D- DNA. So we never leave the bandstand without paying our respects to the blues. I think Cannon said that, but Nat brought that up a lot. Also, he said one night we were riding home together and uh, sharing a cab in Manhattan. And he said, you know what, Mike, uh, the way you put together a set can win the audience, no matter how good you play or even if you're having a bad night. If you pick the material and you put it in the right order, it'll get to the people's heart. And I learned that from him. I watched the way he did that. And uh, he 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 read the people. He read the audience. He cared about the audience. And he was a soulful cat, man. I mean, oh, my goodness. You yeah. know, when he sang, oh, babe, it's just, man, I could get chills. It could bring an involuntary. I have to fight up a little tear, not of sadness, but over joy. Because, man, he could scream and holler. And, on, it was, and it was on the real side. And it's like, oh, my goodness. You know? Woo, baby. And so, so I love that Adelaide. He seems like he's professional. Like, when I look at his, like, I like this guy's professional. I don't, I don't really seem to be, like, clownish or anything. I think he... He's there to do the work, and he works hard. Like that's kind of yeah. how I. Yes, but him. he does does have a good sense of humor. He's a fun. He's a good guy. Okay. Um, it's, I speaking of professional, I have two minutes now. It's eleven twenty eight to get downstairs. We're just ready to say it, Mike Clark. Uh, thank you for joining me today on Something Came from Baltimore. I was honored, and thank you for having me. And great questions. That was fun, man. I'll see you again. Great, thank you. I'll see you down at Keystone. Thank you for joining me today on Something Came From Baltimore. And we thank our guest, Mike Clark. And thank you for listening. The show is over and have a great day. Greetings from the Adult Music Podcast, where we talk about music for the mature mind. I'm Russ. And I'm Mike. And every week we get together in our mountain lair in Japan and discuss new classical and jazz music releases and enjoy some laughs and maybe some booze along the way. We go track by track through the albums we listen to and dig deep into the performances. We also provide you with links to the music via Spotify and Apple Music and a full episode playlist on Deezer so you can follow along. So if you're looking for the best new music to stimulate your brain and lift your spirits, join us every week on the Adult Music Podcast. Hi, jazz fans. This is the founder and host of Neon Jazz, Joe Domino. It's both a weekly radio show and interviews with musicians from all over the world, like the Netherlands, New York City, and back to Kansas City. City, the home of Neon Jazz, covering the rich history and modern world of jazz in a fresh way. Featuring interviews with the likes of Arturo Sandoval, Sonny Rollins, Maria Schneider, and countless others. Find our weekly show on Mixcloud. Subscribe to the interviews via iTunes and YouTube. We are Neon Jazz. Same difference. Two jazz fans, one jazz standard. A review of a single jazz standard through music, history, and stories. And this is AJ. And this is Johnny. If you are a jazz fan and you like jazz standards, 
bebop, show tunes, ballads, you name it. Yeah, we've got them here. We drop a new show on you every other week, and we take a standard, and we listen to a few different versions of it. Same difference. Come join the fun. Looking forward to seeing you. Gerald Albright, Rhea Snyder, Charlie Hunter, Luke Robillard, Sean Jones, Walter Beasley, Steve Swallow. Something Came From Baltimore is a jazz, blues, and R&B podcast and radio show, and it's not really about Baltimore. Subscribe to the podcast and listen to your favorite artist or future favorite artist that something came from Baltimore and be a part of that Be More music scene. Joe Lovano, Jeff Coffin, Paula Cole, Denuso Makatani, Ann Passio, Chess Smith, Thumbscrew, mostly.